All right, let's open our Bibles again to take the declaration of the glory of the Lord as we commence our teaching this beautiful, cool Saturday morning. Let's read the first Samuel from verse 2 with a blessed voice together this morning. One, two, let's go. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble get on strength. Those who were full hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry ceased to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. Verse 6, the Lord kills and makes alive. Read again. Read it with your blessed voice. Go ahead. He brings down to show and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He leaves the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones and the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Amen? Amen. 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 It looks like these words of um, Hannah are very powerful. So powerful, some of us can utter them. The Lord is good. No, I think you should read this, you know, again and again and again. Now we're going to do six to nine. No, six to ten. Okay. Now everybody get ready. I don't want any inspirations. Is that okay? Now one to let's go. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to show and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He leaves the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He set the world on them. Nine, he keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. He will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Amen. Amen. Verse 10 tells me something, which I've been telling Christians for a long time. Let me ask you, may the Lord bless Muslims. Somebody say amen. amen. Ah, you don't want him to bless them. You want them to die and go to hell. What's wrong with you? May the Lord bless the Muslims. Amen. May he bless the Hindus. Amen. There's no blessing outside Christ. So, I'm not say, that's the issue. Ah. Some, some of us are so wicked. If I say, may the Lord kill the Muslims, the amen will remove this roof. Wickedness. It's not good. Now, let's say it again. May the Lord bless the Muslims. Amen. May the Lord bless the Buddhists. Amen. May the Lord bless the Hindus. Amen. You know, God has packaged all these blessings only in one place. And you know where that place is. You know why am I saying it again? You ask, why are you saying this again? Because there is no need to be afraid of anybody. If I see the, 
people are so terrified of the Islamic agenda. As it makes me laugh. That is a concept. I find it funny. Do you know? <laughs> I saw a video of an Islamic cleric begging Muslims to please bring money for them to do evangelism because the Christians have taken everything over. I used to have the video. I don't know that I deleted it. He said, look, you have to strengthen my hands that the other people... I said, I said, laughing. I said, meanwhile, the Christians will be there telling you that. Yeah. See, why am I saying it? Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Yes. If you ever see anybody prosper against the knowledge of God, the problem is never the strength of those people. It's those who claim to have the knowledge of God that are not walking by it. Sorry, I don't want to talk politics this morning. But one day we're shouting Muslim, Muslim agenda. And I've always been misunderstood. I've always been misunderstood. People, people told me that. That's how he told us to go vote for Buhari last time. I said, me? Me? When the thing was going on, one brother heard that I, I, I when I told him I, I voted, I didn't vote for APC. That is President Muhammad Buhari. He was shocked. He said, he thought, I said, me, tell me what I said so. I remember everything I said clearly. But you hear the things I say. You interpret it. He was surprised to find that I voted for Good Luck Jonathan. I had my reasons. I didn't publicize my reasons. It's personal. Now, this is where I'm going. So when I was telling people, when they started this one, Muslim, Muslim agenda, I started again. I said, you guys are started again. And I said it again. You know, when, that thing started, when they started, it was not last year, when they were choosing um, running mates. Yes, when they were choosing them, no running mates. Uh, you know, it was after the primaries now. It was when they were choosing running mates. Huh? Big shops were talking. Big men were talking. So I spoke up. I said, it is none of your business. These are internal party issues. It doesn't concern me. If I don't like your team, I vote for your opponent. I mean, is it not a simple thing? But that's not even my issue. My issue was that what was terrifying them did not terrify me. It was terror now. It was fear. What's my reason? Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Amen. You didn't hear that? Amen. That's my reason. Anybody who, I don't care which power you have behind you, you will be shattered. Amen. It is for your own sake that you don't use your office to attack the church. I have never, God is my witness, had any fear of any organized person saying it can uproot Christianity in this nation. You can't, I don't know how to explain it. You don't have the power. Jesus draws the boundaries. Let me tell you what he does. Sit down. No, 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 don't sit down. No, which one do you want? But you are going to stand up again if you sit. Okay, remain standing. Remain standing. Just for a few more minutes. You know, some of these because we stream now, we can't see some, a lot of things like. But I can know, you know, I get information. I get gist here and there. I know people in this country. They were so powerful. A man of God walked up to them, said, hey, you, God said that what you are doing is wrong. You are persecuting his people. Stop. The person didn't want to hear. He was raising shoulders. So God removed the shoulders. Let's just leave it like that. We have seen it again and again. A prophet would just go to a big house. Everybody said, this guy is powerful. He's a military man. He's an Islamic man. One small prophet would just go, 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 go. I have a message for you from the Lord. He will deliver the message. A lot of them are very, very stubborn. And then God will now decapitate them publicly. Later, we will not hear what really happened. Maybe that's why I talk the way I do. I've never been afraid of who. Herod was persecuting Christians, Abi. Ah, he was feeling strong. Then one day opened his mouth. He forgot that only the rock would, their rock would give them up. Why would one chase a thousand and two chase ten thousand? Just because their, their God said, okay, you can have this one. 
He said, no, I'm the one. I made up my mind to persecute them. And people say, yes. This is the voice of God, not the voice of man. One angel just got angry. <laughs> say, what nonsense is this? He killed him. Publicly. In a disgraceful manner. He said, next time, don't talk this nonsense. One said, is this not Babylon the Great? Look at how I built America. Look at how I built Western Europe. Why? By the strength of my might for the glory of my majesty. That's why I did it. It was then one day, they have come again. These crazy people. All right, show him it is not him. So one angel brought his sword to kill him. He said, no, 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 don't kill him. He's just stupid. He will repent. What do I do? Um, make him mental. Like I said all the time, it's not the mentality or the mental loism that was the power. That God said, I just want you to observe me build the country without you. A small aside, if you think politicians will build Nigeria, you're drunk. They can't. There are times I sit there and I look. This night, I still reasoned about it. I told myself, America is a crazy country. Now, please, in America, nothing personal, but I thought about it. Their development is divine. It's not human. If you see the way the people behave, you know they didn't build this thing. I thought about this, some things I read over the last few days. I said, God, what's going on? When you see adults that can't seem to think, that's them. Adults that will say, everybody should carry a gun. They say, we are killing each other. They say, no, 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 no. The way to stop us from killing each other is for each person to have a bigger gun. No, that's American mindset. As of this year, over 16,000 people, all right, have died from gun violence as of now. They tell Nigeria is dangerous. Gun violence as of today has killed over 16,000 people in America. If I'm mistaken, maybe 13,000. This was, okay, that was information I was reading yesterday. Mass shootings, they, this is one of the highest they've ever had this year. People just shooting each other. And that's not the gist. Everybody shoots people, I mean, everywhere. They're shooting people right now in Sudan. Are they not? That's not my issue. My issue is that when they not tell them, let's stop it. They say, no, we have the power to carry guns. And you know what most of the states are now doing? They are issuing more permits for gun carrying. Before, if you have to carry a gun, it must be displayed in most of the states. But now they say you don't have to display it. So you cannot carry what they call a concealed weapon without a license. So you're talking to an 18-year-old. You don't know whether he has a gun under his shirt. People have analyzed that this country is going down. At the end of the day, I look back. I say, why are they this big? It is simple. God built them for a purpose. And if you ever see them go down, it is not because of any other thing than God said it is enough. Look, you, you have annoyed me. Let one president come one day and cancel that, day, uh, that annual Thanksgiving day. It will be a sign that God said, okay, it's, it's enough now. What am I saying of these things? I, that's why I have never had the capacity to be afraid of an Islamic agenda. A lot of Christians, that's how they, they vote, their vote is fear. Hey, the Muslims that come, they want to kill, kill, kill us. They vote for a Christian. And I'm looking at them, I say, you don't understand anything. My own confidence has always been, who let the oppressed go free? No, who was in the Bible? Cyrus. And God said, you did not know me, yet I called you by name. Let's read that portion again. Verse 10, everybody, one to let's go. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Never forget that. Never forget that. Let me give you this word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave me some time ago. Thus says the Lord, if you want this country, I will give you. That's a message to the church. And listen, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. 
So anytime you hear the Lord give a word to everybody, grab it for yourself. So I'm saying it again. Thus says the Lord. If you want this country, I will give you. Yeah, that's it. And I don't mean just want it. Some people have seen it before. Okay, let me, let's take our declaration of understanding so you can sit down, so I can continue what I'm saying without feeling sorry for you. Even though, why should I feel sorry for you? Do you feel sorry for me? You do. <laughs> the Lord is good. All right, so I can continue what I'm saying, all right? Let's uh, take our declaration of understanding. One, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please take your seat quickly. Let's continue what we're saying. Okay, so, there's something I was saying. I was telling you something that the Holy Spirit said to us, I think about 2000, today's 2023, uh, this year, that's 2021, thereabouts. And I'm saying it again, thus says the Lord, if you want this country, I will give you. I'll get back into our message for today, but let me just explain that prophetic word again. When we say, when the Spirit says, if you want this country, I will give you, it means if you really want it. If you really want it. Derek Prince preached his sermon some years ago. If you Google up, you'll get the, the transcript. All his, most of his messages, the transcripts are easily available. Just by the way. I don't know why some people are hiding the da- audio download. I don't know why. Small digression. To the glory of God. I think one key that God gave us early that helped kingdom world grow and become influential in the lives of many believers today is the fact that messages are easily available. Did you hear what I said? So it's so easy for someone to call his friend. Have you listened to Pastor Banky? He said, who is he? Just send a link. The fellow is in Australia. Five minutes later, he's listening. Message is going, just click on this. Ah, it, it, it was so easy to share. All right? Whatever you are doing in life, try and make it easy. For many people to be blessed by it. Now, even though it's ministry, but the principle applies everywhere. We don't charge money. Businesses need to earn some money from what they do to survive and all of that. But you can, even within that, find a way. Read this book, My Life and Work by Henry Ford. You will find out that Henry Ford became what he became simply because his primary aim was to spread his machines to as many people as possible. Many of us think that he wanted to increase his market. No, his own was not increase my market because of um, um, market. Let me make more money. His own is that, no, I can't be manufacturing cars and only 50 people are driving it. No. Why can't it be 100 people? So he will sit there and analyze, why are 100 people not able to afford the cars? Say, because the price point of $2,500 at that time is too high. So, okay, how can we bring it down to $2,000? He starts researching on how to bring it down to $2,000 for the simple reason that he thinks he's not doing the, you know, the nation's service by having only 50 people can afford his vehicles. They know what happens. Eventually, God gives him the wisdom. The price comes down. 
No competition, by the way. He's not competing with anybody. Then he settles down and says, how many people are driving the cars? Now, please, the figures I'm giving you are not very accurate, but it's exactly the principle, okay? All right? They tell that, okay, now we have about 2,000 people buying. Ah. He says, how many people are in this country? They tell me, maybe like 25 million, 40 million. He said, no, 2,000 is too small. If we have technology, should bless more people. He said, why are more people not buying? He said, $2,000 we are selling is too high. Now, at $2,000, he's just managing to break even and the company is doing well. So he can't sell lower. So he starts researching again. Do you know, he kept on doing this, I'm telling you, as a matter of fact, until his price came down to 700 Now, that is a fact. Until it came down to 700 So what he keeps on doing is that, okay, what are we doing that's expensive? Why, why can't we get this car out at maybe $550 manufacturing price? He will sit down day and night reasoning. Where's most of our cars going to? He said, hiring staff that make the cars. It's okay. We don't have to lay off staff, but we can make each person produce more. So he sits down and fashions out the way by which each person can produce more. Now, he does things like he'll come to the assembly hall uh, uh, floor and be checking what they are doing. So he found out that people spend most of their time walking around. So in a day, maybe, just to give a, a figure, maybe they assemble like 10 cars. He said most of that time he spent looking for where's the rim, where's the bolt. Hey, 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 who's got the axle here? So he said, okay, now you will not shift from one spot anymore. Everything comes to you. He redesigned it so that you'll be on one spot. Everything you need to do comes to you. That is fun that men were wasting time looking for things. Are you getting my point? After a while, he realized again, no. The problem is that one person spends a lot of time working on all this number of parts. He said, let's do another thing. One person does only one thing. Without increasing staff, he increased the number of cars being produced more than fivefold. Now, that figure is not very accurate. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just giving you an idea. But he mo- it may have been like 20-fold. What was it that he did? He just said, okay, your job is to put the tire on the hub. It's not your job to screw it down. So one guy, every day, bam, boom, bam, hook, move. The assembly belt is moving the thing. He gets there, pauses for a few seconds. He puts the tire, move. The next guy's job is put his bolts on it. The third guy's job is screw them tight. He found out that it was more efficient than one person to bring the tire, put it, look for the hubs, uh, the bolts, put them, and then start screwing them. He said, if I have three people do that, one person can do 20 in a short period, maybe in one hour. And then you find out that three people will do the 20, finish 20 in the one hour. But if I let each person finish it, you probably are doing like seven, all of them put together. Or okay, let each person does like three, three. They now do like nine. By just shifting like that, they are doing 20. Now, where am I going? By doing that, he kept on bringing down the price of his cars more people were able to afford them. Then he found out that the banks put him under pressure to pay loans. He said, I'm not, I'm not borrowing money from anybody. When he wanted to build his headquarters, he said, add $50 to the cost of the cars we are selling from now on. They were cheap enough anyway. So that $50 extra, they kept on putting it aside until they had enough money to build their headquarters. Then when they finished building, you know what he did? He removed the money again. He dropped the price again. He said, we need the money to build. This story is in his book, My Life and Work, which you can download free. Okay? It's a very old book, so it's available online free of charge. So, I just want to tell you that even though the principle I said to you earlier was first and foremost from preachers, but it applies everywhere. You just adapt to your own circumstance. Okay? And that's one digression. Let's not get back to the main thing I'm trying to say. Now, in case you say, so how do you get there? I will tell you. I want to tell you about the Red Prince. And I, I was recommending a book, do you remember? And I said the book is easy to find 
online. But the message itself, one guy has hidden it. And I was wondering, why do people hide things? So that's why I now went to do that. You remember now? Are you sure you remember? Uh Because me, I remember very well. So let me just help you. (laughs) The Lord is good. So let's get back to our message. That's a small digression. Which Dewok is very happy with. He's going to use it on his head. What's the name of that you're showing again? No, 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 no. There's one you always say. Something. Anyway, there's one show he does all the time, so you can join him. I know he will discuss this over the next few weeks. I thank God for that. You know, there's something I do. The Bible says, the Lord gave the word, and great is the company of those that publish it. Yes. Anytime I say things here, people use it to do all kinds of things, and it's very good. But that divine nation people came to me and said, Can we be acting your messages? I said, What do you concern me? Act the messages now. <laughs> because, <laughs> what do you concern me? Act it now. May the Lord bless the act. <laughs> as long as the truth is being published, that's the truth. All right? The Lord is good. So let's get back to our message, please. So, Derek Prince said, Remember, I was trying to tell you a prophetic word, right? Uh-huh. Let me repeat the prophecy again. That the Spirit says expressly to the Christians in this nation, Nigeria, and I believe the same principle may apply to other countries. But this nation, Nigeria, it says to the church, if you want this country, I will give you. I did not say, if you want a president, because that is why people misunderstand what the Spirit is saying. Now, let's bring out a church candidate. That will never happen in a million years by the Spirit of God, never. The church will never come together and successfully put forth a candidate for the presidency of this country. The Spirit of God will never agree. So get it clear now. So if you are a politician, don't let the church ever gather behind you and say you are their candidate. Tell them I'm not. I'm an APC candidate. I'm a PDP candidate. I'm a Labour Party candidate. I'm a white people candidate. Don't let, once they come, they bring a curse on your candidature. The law will turn against you. Please, I'm speaking to politicians. Hear me now. Don't go to a church to go and look for them to adopt you. You will fail. I'm a preacher. Many of my colleagues will not agree with me. I'm not here to do democracy. I'm giving you the mind of the Spirit of God. You kill your political career in our nation by the structure of democracy today. If you ever go to a church, they then gather together and make you their candidate. You will fail. Even if you get elected, you will still fail. You know why? God considers it an insult on himself. For you to use the bride of Christ for that purpose. The law will turn again. I know what I'm saying, no. You can go and be angry with me. All these half politicians, half pastors that we have, they will tell you Banky doesn't know what he's saying. I'm used to it. I was listening to Lester Sumra over the last few days. I think he said it encouraged me. That's the usual thing. You will be persecuted for speaking the truth. You want to hear the truth? Don't go. I'm not saying don't go to churches to campaign. Are you get my point? You have to go everywhere, which means going to mosques to campaign. When the Orisha people are gathering, when they are passing, wait, oh, I'm running for governor of Orisha State. It doesn't have a problem. <laughs> Do you get my point? It's democracy. There's a rule about it in each generation. In this generation, the rule behind it is what I'm explaining to you. So going from one church to the other to speak to them, I don't have a problem with it. The Spirit doesn't have a problem with it. But if you think the body of Christ will not adopt you as their candidate, you will know what Jesus meant when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. That statement is loaded. They are not their candidate. And usually he doesn't reveal to them. They, they, they do all those things out of their emotions and everything. And they bring a curse on your political career. Like they say, he that has an ear, let him hear. I'm not even going there here to argue with anybody. So when the Spirit says, if you want this nation, I will give it to you. He didn't say, I will make all of you the governors of the 36 states. That's not what he's saying. He didn't say that. 
He didn't say that I will make your candidate the president. He didn't say that. But he said, if you want this nation, I will give you. That he said. I don't have time to explain the details. But the Holy Spirit expose and expound that truth to the hearts of those who are willing to learn it. But one thing is sure. You will not need to run. You will not need to be afraid. Nobody will be able to take the land that God has given you. You will be able to preach the gospel freely in every corner. I will cut the hand of anybody that wants to stop the, the progress of that gospel. I will say this, many people won't like it. I will destroy the fellow, destroy his whole family, wipe out the memory of him from his nation. Yeah, that's what he does. I'm not dealing with... See, the God we serve is not nice. That's that's something I realized. Christians, you know, they teach faith, make it look like, you know, God is so soft. One guy said, God is as weak as water. Yeah. Yes. An English bishop. As if God needs us. We need to beg people to come back to the grandmother's house. God is not a grandmother. He's a creator. He's a father. He's a judge. And you have, you have to understand something. After I listened to, yeah, I read my Bible up and down. More than the fact that he's a father in the way we know fatherhood. I think his a superior title is judge. Yeah, God's title as judge is superior to his title as father. What do I mean? He doesn't care who it is. He punishes iniquity. He punishes people. See, let me tell you something. God kills people. If you annoy him, if God says, this is my agenda, again, let me remind us, if God has a plan, if he has a purpose, never go against it. I have found out that he's quite ruthless about it. He has a big pastor, preacher, evangelist, whatever title you are, you have. And God says as an example, I want to bring unity into the body of Christ. Hmm? They say, no, it's my time to build my ministry and make us distinct. He will send warning to you again and again. Stop this thing. I want you to cross the road, go to the other pastor, shake his hand, eat publicly with him. Let everybody know that your differences are minor. And I want people in that denomination and this denomination to start intermarrying urgently. You know what God does? No matter how prominent and how big you are as a bishop, if you stand against that, he will remove you fast. You wake up one morning, you want to start your car, you die there. You bring out your body buried. God said, next. Say why? He's standing against my purpose. My agenda. Look, let me tell you the God we are dealing with. His people gathered when they were in their nation, feeling happy, worshipping God. One guy said his name is Senacherib. He said, let's harass them small. He's a guy that I don't think I really, really like this harassment. Nigeria said, what do you mean? Which God are you serving? He's the guy I went and prayed. Isaiah said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. That's what the, so says the Lord. God said, who's the most wicked angel around? One angel put up his hand. Now, people, <laughs> the angel of death is a messenger of God. doesn't work for Satan. Because people, they seem to forget when they tell God doesn't kill. They say, God only allows. That thing is not in the Bible. It's an invention we have to make God look nice. God dispatches angel into Egypt. And the angels are known by their functions. So he called him the angel of death. What was his job? Kill every firstborn in every household of Egypt. And the house of Israel, if they don't paint their doorposts with the blood of the lamb. So the angel had no friend, no foe, nothing. His only is a killing time. You are a first son, you are dead. So he went into every house. But before he'll be able to enter a house, he looks. 
The blood is on the lintel. It's on the doorpost. So he moves back. Next house. He didn't care whether they were Egyptians or Israelites. He only cared about one thing. Is the blood there. Somebody had asked me before, if an Egyptian had painted the blood, he would have been saved. <laughs> and that's an angel of God. And when he was done, he went back to heaven, not to hell, and said, it is done. When David sinned against Israel, that angel again came. And he said, David, you don't say nothing personal. Just do business. Just obeying the Lord. He started killing from the edges of Israel. As he approached Jerusalem, David said, God, I beg now. God said, go and offer a sacrifice. He looked up and saw the angel with a sword drawn. And like, <laughs> waiting for the... What are you saying? So when they annoyed God in the days of Hezekiah, God told that angel, I got work for you. <laughs> the guy said, I'm at your command, my Lord. What do you do? Free Jerusalem. The guy went there one night, killed 186,000 soldiers. Went back to heaven. Didn't go to hell. So this, this picture of God we paint as if, you know, know, you know how will he hurt children? He said, God said, I don't like to hurt children. But if their father will not do what they say they should do, it will be, the judgment will be upon their father for so what they did to their children. Bear that in mind. We're not dealing with a, a soft God. Oh, when he sees blood, he covers his face. It's not like that. So when the tsunami hit in Bandache at that time, in Indonesia, some 20 years ago, thereabout, <laughs> hey God, I looked. I said, you should understand. This is not the devil. It's called the judgment of God. Over two, about 30,000 people, almost a quarter of a million human beings died in 24 hours. People say that, you see, the devil, it's not the devil. David Paulson preached a beautiful message on it. I heard it years later. Beautiful message. Let's leave this devil, devil thing. As I, I told you, I'm not afraid of any Islamic agenda. I'm not afraid of anybody's agenda. If my God will rise up against you, you are dead meat. What was I saying? So bear this in mind. When the Spirit says, if you want this nation, I will give it to you. It's deeper than just bring up forth your candidates. Let me put him there. No. You know one reason why he would not even agree for that? Because you are telling him, this is the only person he, he rules through, that if somebody else is there, he's no longer in power. So God looks and says, you must be joking. You don't know me, Abi. I own these kings. I own them. They must do my bidding. Let's continue speaking. He said, if you want this nation, I will give you. I was talking about the reference, remember? So the reference preached this message, titled, If You Want God's Best. That's when I said, you should please try and get. He said, the first key to getting God's best is want God's best. The title of the series, I think, if you want God's best. And Derek Prince said, the first key to getting God's best is what? Want it. He said, you must want it. And that's something we don't understand many times. With God, wanting is not just, eh, I want it to. He tests whether you are serious. For example, there was a promised land. He promised it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to their descendants. So a time came, he called the descendants where he had kept them. In Egypt, you must understand, they were kept in Egypt for safekeeping. Just like Jesus went to Egypt, that same way Israel went to Egypt. He said, until the iniquity of the Amorites 
Bollinger explained that the Amorite there represented not just the Amorite nation, but for all the heathen nations that occupied the land at that time. He said, until their iniquity will be full. When their iniquity is full, I'll be able to judge them and dispossess them of the land that was theirs. Because the only way, like remember I said he's judge, the only way I can get the land from them is as punishment for their iniquity. That's the rule. So be on the side. Don't be polluted. Because if you stay there, you may be polluted with them. I'll have to judge all of you. I'm a judge. This father thing is secondary to being a judge. I have to be fair. So he took them out as a father, kept them in Egypt. Now, this is where we are going. The time was ripe. So he said, okay, good. Now go back and go and take the land. But he said, before I give you the land, you must want the land. So what did he do? He left the giants there. That's where I'm going. He left the giants there so that the people will come and take the land from the giants. Now, the giants were not a problem. The giants were not a significant problem obstacle. The giants were just there. You could easily take the land from them anytime you wanted. And you read your Bible and it's the reason why the record is like that. There is no single location. <laughs> One man told me that when he first heard me say it, he couldn't believe it. He had to go and check the scriptures. That it shocked him that it was true. That there's no single location you see a giant kill an Israelite. Read your Bible. If you find it, come and tell me I'll stop saying it. They will get close sometimes. Then you hear that David, when he was old, and one of the giants almost killed him, then one of his men came and helped him. That was when they said, you can't come to battle anymore. But they never succeed. Goliath will stand there and make a lot of noise. God will make a little boy kill him, just to make a point. David and his men were anointed to kill giants. The giants never could get one. The smallest of them they could not take. The giants were never a problem. What were they? They were a sign. They were put there for Israel to tell God we want the land. That's all. So that's why I say every promised land has giants. So when God said, if you want the land, what it means is that you will see the giants and you face the giants. Then trust me to give you the land. Don't wait and be looking from afar. Say, there are giants in that country. One day, a cousin of mine, who I had not seen in literally, okay, it's been a long time, but maybe seen only once in the last 30 years. No. Seen only once in like 30-something years. And that one time was maybe like 12 years ago, thereabout. So we spoke recently. <laughs> and she said something that you hear all the time. Oh, that if only Nigeria can just solve this problem and solve that problem. That they, they, I want to come back home. She lives abroad. She said, we just want to come back home. He said, that country, I don't like the way they do. America. He said, can you imagine? I'm 60 years old now. I still have to walk. And this where I'm going, is it? She said, eh, if only people can just say, eh. so you stay there, I will solve it, then you will come back. Are you normal? <laughs> Who did you keep here to be clean giants for you? <laughs> What's the All this uh, violence. <laughs> you have killed more people with guns than also. Uh, is this a lie? Before they call something mass shooting in America, you have to kill at least four people. And, and you must not be a policeman. On duty. If a policeman kills 20 gangsters, it's not called mass shooting. If a soldier on duty faces some rebels and kills a hundred, it's not called mass shooting. That's mass defense. <laughs> mass shooting is that a civilian takes a gun and shoots people. Usually people he doesn't really know most times. And they have to kill at least four before he qualifies for the records to be called mass shooting. Where in May, my brethren have, have, have had right now over a hundred and Almost 200 now, as at now. 
I can't remember the exact figure last time I checked. It's a hundred and something. That does not include those police chasing, and police have no choice but to shoot them. And you're telling me, now, those who kill one person, two people, like, if an arm robber stops it, you know, carjack, carjacking, shooting the process, it doesn't, it's not in that record. And if you have three in the car, it shoots all three. It's not recorded. All the ones you hear that somebody drove in here and they shot the person, it's not counted as this mass shooting thing. Two people are calling, they stand your ground, shoot you. It's not counted. And then you tell me that Nigeria is violent. I'm looking like, excuse me. What I'm trying to say is simple. You can't stand far and say, kill the giants for me. Then I'll come into the land. God said, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to risk your life as proof that you want it. I hope you're getting my point. I want it is not give me now. Is get up, come and collect it. I have given you the land of, uh, what's the name of that king? He said, begin to contend with him in battle. What God has given you, you have to contend for. What he has given you, you still have to contend for. That's the way it works. I'm explaining a prophecy to us this morning again. So if God says, I've given you, it means take it. You know what it means? Start a business. I'll forget my point. You know what it means? Join one of the service agencies in Nigeria. Civil service, police, customs, immigration, NSCDC, you know. EFCC, anyone. Join. Go to university, take a job as a lecturer too. Walk your way up. Become a professor there. That's what he said. You want it? See, they will start you on a small salary and I command you, you will not strike. That's what the Lord is saying. If you want, when he says, if you want it, there will be giants. You have to prove to me it is serious to you. So when the Lord says, if you want it, I will give you, that's what it means. It doesn't mean if you desire it just like, uh, okay, if you wish for it, no. It means if you really want it. That's what I was quoting Derek Prince. He said, if you want God's best, key number one, really want God's best. You must want it. Jacob wanted it, he got it. Esau didn't want it. Because Jacob a lot, he got it. David wanted it. You must bear this in mind. Those who really want it, you see the cost to them. Usually, the cost is small compared to the great thing that God will do for them. Sometimes, it's not even for them, per se. They pay the price for another generation. Abraham paid the price for two sets of people, his natural descendants and his spiritual descendants. If you want this nation, I will give you. The Spirit is saying, Many people say they want it. I've seen people start business before. The moment they get an opportunity to go abroad to do something, they close it. And I'm wondering, why will you close it down? Why? Tomorrow you'll come and tell me government is helping Dangote. Please, I hope you are not among those poor people who say that nonsense. I hear that rubbish all the time. And you want to hear the truth? It's, it's nonsense. So this uh, oppressed person's mentality that means we we'll go around talking rubbish. He's only rich because government is helping him. You know why they are not helping you? You have no plans. When they lend you money, you don't pay back. If I tell you what people do, you know, there's this why I keep on telling that Nigerians, right now, Nigeria is more blessed than Nigerians deserve. If you see what we do, 
to government. There are two people I feel sorry for. I feel like patting them. Put your head here. Let me rub their back. One is the Lord. Two is Nigerian government. Governing these people is hard. I won't give specifics. Government will get up and say, listen, we need to develop agriculture. We are going to help 10,000 farmers build up this and this and that. Each farmer will get between 2 and 5 million naira. I have seen them. They queue up, collect the money they don't farm. Government will say, okay, we'll help you build up a maybe cassava processing plant or rice milling plant or beans, beans, whatever it is. They will go, buy the machine. Government will pay for it. As soon as the Nigerian Industrial Bank or the agency looks away, they sell the machines right to the next guy. So government will pump in a hundred billion naira over five years. In the sixth year, everything remains is not worth a billion. Then the seventh year, I'm sorry to say this, a bunch of idiots will gather and say government is doing nothing. I work in the university. Sometimes you want to beg these lecturers. Please work for, just work for 10% of the money they are paying you. They treat the job as if it's inconvenient. I can't go. And you want to call the person, excuse me. They pay you every month. Then, again, I got a letter yesterday now. Another group has given government two weeks notice of strike. I just said, God, you know why I'm not? Because if I'm the president, we'll be at the war now. All this one, I don't have time. Yeah, I'm telling you. I won't even answer you. I, I, I won't negotiate with you for six months. See what Buhari did to us last time. So what I will do to you. You know, Buhari was all looking at them. Say, better go back to work. Eight months. Everybody stay at home now. Lazy youth. Some of you can, that's why I can't insult the president. I can't insult the federal government. The people are far worse. This sleepy gentleman has run away. I would have told you to ask him what we have done to in the industrial bank. I won't mention the name of the state, not too far away from here. They say they are shutting down their office. Nobody ever pays their loans back. By the way, you Southerners be careful. Those guys say they don't have those problems in the north. They're up north, they get their loans paid back. I won't mention the name of the state. Very close, not a no-go, very close to us here. They say they are shutting down their office there. That they will never pay loans back. Never. This is federal government agency. Say, take loans at one fixed low price to buy machinery. So that the industries can move. They will take the loans. They will build the house in the village. They will, they will go and look for one old machinery, clean it, respray it, so that the guys will come and inspect it. And because the government will not, because by the rule, they can't really take any collateral from you more than that machine. Because they, they won't tell you, give us your house. It's industry. So it's the industry that's the collateral. The guys give, the guy will show them a dead industry. Collect their two billion naira. At the end of the day, he takes the chieftaincy title and then runs for office. And then the day EFC arrests him, his village will bring a masquerade and be dancing to support their brother. One EFC man said it now. They say, if I'm not doing anything, he said, do anything about who? He said, when you arrest the man, he said, take him to court first. He said, the village people, the local government people that you are arresting him for taking their money and convert to personal use are the ones that will gather with masquerade and escort the man to court. That you are persecuting our brother. So the man said, he doesn't care anymore. He wants to hear this. He said, he doesn't care. Steal the money. Uh, look, a lot of them, I'm not mentioning anybody's name. At the end of the day, they say, I'm going to steal one billion. Give us 200 million, you can go. Now, you say they are thieves. Their own is that if I was not a thief, what would I do to you? Nothing. The case is going to be in court for the next six years. At the end of the year, they promote one judge to the day that they cancel lawyer. Then you run for Senate president. <laughs> and you want, you, want, you want me to kill myself? No, I've done it. 
at the point in time, if you listen to exams, I told the people, I, I, I'm not going to go. Because you would say to a student, look, no talking to your neighbor. At the end of the day, when we now say, okay, you want to penalize the person, it's your own colleague that says, just leave him. You know he's a child. I said, so how are they going to learn the truth? So after a while, I said, I'm not entering the exam hall. Let me not offend my conscience. If you see the way I talk, look, no. <laughs> it was a federal government. It's my very key point, federal government. They have the ones suffering. People, government say, okay, let's develop universities. Ask Develop universities. Okay, they release money. Third form. This is another. They give somebody money. Okay, go and do a PhD. Come and teach. You take the money and disappear. I'm not talking five, nine million naira. I'm not talking 10 million. I'm not talking 20 million naira. You're talking 50 million naira. Someone will take it and run away. And he's a university lecturer. How many will federal government pursue? You are blaming federal government. Why said, I'm going to Daura. I'm not coming back to Abuja. I don't blame him. You deal. You know what Wicked. Wicked. And the, being wicked is not my issue. They will not start pointing fingers. The Lord is good. Now I'm lost. What was I saying? I have to go back and start again for me to get there. I know the, I, I just know that was trying to if you want it. Uh, okay, good. Yes. I'll then explain something here. There will be giants. Just describe some of the giants you face. There will be giants. Nobody's going to kill the giants and come and give you the land free. No. David will give his men challenges. Who's going to lead the charge against Jebus? Those are the kind of things. That's where honor comes from. Leading the charge against the Jebusites to take Jerusalem. That is where honor comes from. Invest in, let me just say something to you. Now I've said it many times, so I want to say it again this morning. When you want to walk with God, just give yourself over to death. One of our sisters told me some time ago, she called and pastor, I need to ask you some questions. Send me a message. I said, okay, when we'll come? That's in Port Harcourt. When, when we'll come, we'll see. So when I got there, she told me everything. She wants to invest in her business in Port Harcourt. It's a lot of money. She didn't give me the exact sum, but I can do a small estimate. It'd definitely be over a hundred million naira. You know, get land, develop it, and all of that. But all the crisis is making her develop cold feet. And being a British citizen, she's considering that maybe she should just relocate back to the UK where she used to live. That was why she needed my counsel. And I said to her, no, it doesn't work like that. The money may have been up to 200 million. I can't remember. She didn't give me an exact sum, but I knew it was a lot of money. I said, you know what you will do? She said, what? I said, invest the money. Buy the land. Buy the cement, the iron rod, everything. Pay all the agencies. Pay all their taxes. Do everything you need to do. Build your business. Am I guarantee you to succeed? I said, not at all. I said, I'm not saying invest the, 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 the land because you make money. I said, just earn the right to pray. That's all. I said, that's all. Not tell, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. You see, you see, as we go on, one of the mistakes we have made about faith is that without faith is to guarantee me what I want. And they would misinterpreted and mis, you know, translated Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. That faith is being sure of what I want is mine. It's not true. It is not true. Faith is just being sure of who God is and that he doesn't fail in his promises. That's all faith is. 
When he said that faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, he wasn't talking about your hope. He wasn't talking about I need a new house. He wasn't talking about I need a new car. And he doesn't talk, no, no, no. When he talked about substance of things hoped for, he was talking about the assurance of the expectation that interacting with the word of God has caused you to have. That is your name. Okay, whatever your name is. You are the church of God. He said, I will return. Behold, I come quickly. I hope you are getting my point. They now said, I build a tabernacle on the earth. He said, no, it's not necessary. Our dwelling place on this earth, no, or build a house on the earth. That is, establish yourself. He said, no, we can only build tabernacles. Why? Because the Lord will come. I hope you're getting my point. And they said, what do you mean? Look at your friends. They are established. I said, no. Whatever I'm doing right now, I must bear something in mind. It's a temporary thing. So I'm only doing what I need to do to fulfill the functions I've been given to fulfill. Why? The Lord is coming. How do you know he's coming? He said so. The angels testified. That is what they call faith. As a substance of things hoped for. The hope is what God promised. God never promised you a new pair of shoes. I said he doesn't supply shoes. I didn't say so. Sometimes you know what he does? He said the old one will not wear out. Yeah, then say I claim new shoes. God said, wear the old one. The only thing I can promise is that it will not wear out. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes, you know the problem we have? A lot of our faith teaches. We refuse, first of all, I said, don't read the Old Testament. There's nothing like the Old Testament. I don't use the word Old Testament. I call it the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's what the Bible calls it. The law and the prophets. You read it. They enter the wilderness. Everybody, yeah, into the wilderness. No new shoes. Old one will not wear out. That's all. No parties, manna alone. The only time they could have a party, they had to go into sin. Join the Moabites. Everybody that desired cucumbers and garlic and fresh meat and all of that died in the wilderness. Nobody who has such a desire survived. None. Everyone knows what is all of this. Let me tell you something in life here. You need lessons in Thanksgiving. Let me tell you something. In fact, maybe one day we should do a series on Thanksgiving. It will be very boring, naturally speaking. I will tell you 100 things to thank God for. When we are praying in the house many times in the morning, I tell the children, yeah, 20 things. Thank God for 20 things. Just look for 20 things to thank God for. That's the first prayer for the morning. And I start giving them tips. Remember, it's raining outside. It's not falling on your head. There's a reason why. <laughs> thank God for that. Somebody is leading you in this prayer this morning. Thank God for that. Someone's praying beside you. I keep on prompting, explaining. Because, you see, you must learn to thank God. Those people who were not full of thanksgiving in the wilderness, every single one died there. Every single one. All those who desired, uh, 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 if, uh, like what we were saying yesterday, say, I'm, I'm saying, you know, say, there's this young lady, and then go here, one of these big um, uh, talent shows those days, then <clears throat> one of our big Nigerian gospel artists came to Enugu and was trying to encourage people. You have to encourage people like this. You have to encourage people like this. So I was in that meeting. He was also there. Many of us here may have been there too. So you have to encourage them. I said, so I was there. Encourage them for what? Because you sing. You are the first to sing, eh? Because they put you on national TV. You say you win an award for show. You are the first to sing. So if you don't, if you don't, if you don't support them now, if you don't encourage them, they will just sing free me. And they will not go and join the world. I wanted to walk out. I, I, I honestly, my mind was to get up and walk out. Say, you are not all right. Any girl that wants to sing free me and go and join the world, please go quickly. Let me guarantee you, you will die and go to hell. What things are you telling me here? Let me guarantee you ahead of time, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. 
Encourage you to do what? Encourage you by, by paying, pay, paying 10,000 naira for a ticket when you are saying, how, many, how much do you pay when I'm preaching? How much do you pay? Encourage you? You must be out of your mind. It's a privilege to be given this microphone to sing in this church. You should thank God, my brethren, that you will consider me able to lead you in praise. Thank you very much. God bless. Please, here's my own offering. Not encourage you. What song are you singing? Like I told you yesterday, go and listen to Pastor Corey's wife sing. You know those girls are jokers, where she is. Yeah, she left everything, went and stayed with her husband in Sokoto. What nonsense all of this? Well, I don't know what happened to Whitney Houston. She was singing in church. The world gave her the fame, everything, killed her early, bankrupt. She was broke, wouldn't buy airline ticket. What are you saying? Encourage who? I'm not encouraging you. I will threaten your soul. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. Again, what were we saying? You know, anytime. <laughs> yes. You have to learn to give thanks every single moment. Those who don't give thanks, you know what happens? They die in the wilderness. When they are desiring the cucumbers and the garlics of Egypt, the things of the world, they die in the wilderness. They don't make it into the promised land. They don't. So when you say, God, I want the promised land, it's not just want the promised land so I can enjoy the promised land. Sometimes it's just to want the promised land, win the promised land, conquer it for my descendants. Yes. Caleb said, no, let me leave an inheritance for my children. So he went to Joshua. Remember Moses promised me this place. So Joshua, Joshua was his friend. Contemporary. They were the two that stood with Moses and said, we can take the promised land. 45 years later, he went and met Joshua. I'm ready. Joshua said, okay, go ahead. Go and check it. They said the place is now called Hebron. But originally the name was what? Kiriath Arba. Why? It was a land that belonged to Arba, the greatest of the Anakim. was a giant. So the descendants of Arba were on that land. When at the age of 85, Caleb went and took it. Renamed it, gave it to his own descendants, and then died later in life. See, I told you, if you are going to serve God, eh? Just say, this one where I don't, I just, Lord, let me just do something for, in quote, my descendants. Doesn't have to be your natural descendants. Like, you're talking about beautiful nation, country that God, anyway, by the way, Dr. Fagbemi has told us that this noise we are making, God has only one purpose for everything, to destroy everything. That the purpose of God, everything. He said, the preaching of the gospel is not to develop the earth, it's to end it. Say this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached how? To the ends of the earth as a witness to all the nations. Next line. Then the end will come. So leave that. God didn't give us this gospel to use to develop and make it say Nigeria too can become like Dubai. God said, I don't care. Your primary assignment is to win all the souls in Nigeria. When you have won everyone, the end will come. That's one problem we have with faith. We are pursuing things that God is not pursuing. And that this, you know, see, see, Christians will gather in the country. God said, no. Gather and preach the gospel. Let the souls be saved. Let sinners come to Christ. You have too much, you know, your zeal for things that don't count is too much. Why can't we have good roads? Why drive good roads into hellfire? That's what God is saying. He said, India has rails. Eh? All the Hindus are going to hell. Instead of you to be admiring rubbish things, why don't you cry for them? 
See, with all these grills, at the end, you fall into lake of fire. Uh, but the problem is that we don't believe. Do we believe anything? That's the main thing. But they say, say, if you go to, you know, people say things that make me laugh. Pastors will say it. If you go to Japan, they don't go to church. The roads are good. Because at the end of the day, what happens? They go to hell. Listen, go and read your Bible well. The, the patriarchs, the saints of old, they left those beautiful things entered into the wilderness. Am I saying God does not give you beautiful things? No, that's not what I'm going to say. I say it must never be the focus of any believer. You leave school, you ended up teaching in a secondary school, in a university, helping young people develop. It doesn't make you inferior to your friend who left school, immediately got a job in one big multinational, and they are paying him your whole year's salary as allowance in the first month. You know it happens. Ah, this happens all the time. When you hear what some boys collect in, in January. And for information, those days, I don't know about now, things are really scattered, but those days, the best students are retained in the university. You, you remember? You get a first class, you have a good two-one, your HD will call you. Graduate assistant job on the spot. Then 10 years later, you've joined us, we'll not go agree. <laughs> Go on strike. Meanwhile, the boys I used to teach, the boys I used to do like this for you in the exam. Philip, Philip, Philip. They come to greet you in G Wagon. Yeah, drive a G Wagon to your campus to come and greet you. All what they have paid you since you joined the university. Plus, the. All the research grants where you don't work. <laughs> you can't buy that. <laughs> you don't work. <laughs> you know, you regret it. If you're a Christian, if you regret, God will punish you. Yeah. That, you know, I know the joke. I'm telling you the truth. Now sit down and be regretting. Say, hey, this life is not fair. Why? He's driving a G wagon. So, 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 life is not fair. The important thing, that's what I'm trying to talk about, uh, you know, when you say you really want it. God will plant you there. See, listen, I didn't send you to go and drive a G wagon. Hmm? I sent you to go and train people in righteousness. I sent you so that those who, you see, there are two levels to people giving their lives to Christ. All right? Some people sow. Some harvest. I hope you get my point. Many people call themselves soul winners. They are nothing but harvesters. They were not the ones that planted the seed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. See, many people who are supposedly soul winners are nothing but harvesters. They were not the ones that planted the seed. They were not the ones. Like I say all the time, when we're young, those days, we grew up, you know, of course, I grew up following my mother to, to the Catholic Church, but when I got into, I went to Anglican secondary school, so we're in, I was in boarding house, so we used to go to Anglican Church while I was in school, then shortly, then I met all the SU people and gospel faith mission people when I was in secondary school boarding house, so we used to follow them to church and learn the Bible. Now, so, by the time I got to university, we went to Word of Faith and stuff like that. Now, of course, I had my stint in deeper life, and if you're a serious person, usually you'll have passed through deeper life at one point or the other in your life, generally. Deeper life must infuse you with something that you don't find in Christ's embassy, you know? <laughs> no, if you go to deeper life, you'll go to church on time. But if you go to some churches that I will not mention their names, you will never do anything on time in your life. Those churches are funny. They will tell you wedding is 10 o'clock. Pastor shows up at 1. Please, when you want to wed in a church, come and see me. Let me tell you church to wed, and we all know not to wed. Let me just tell you ahead of time. The best churches to wait are all these Orthodox churches. Yes. They, they, if you want to wait, that's the best. See, they have, I know one man, eh? 
This is Lagos. That man was an 80-year-old man that time. When he enters, 70-year-old man will get up. If, it's, if your wedding is 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock sharp, he enters, he, he comes out of the, they call it vestry, right? I've seen him do it. 8 sharp, he leaves the vestry and walks straight to the pulpit and starts the service and does not check whether you are there or not. He never checks. And when it's time to join the bride and the groom, you had better be there. <laughs> no, I'm not exaggerating, no. When it's time to join the bride and the groom, if you are not there, the service is over. So he's been known. You know, he's Pentecostal that he said there's hold up. His own. Bride will enter Okada. With everything. They go to church because Egbono, they wait for you. He, does, he never wait. I've seen him do it. He doesn't wait for anybody. Tells you service is eight. He doesn't, he's, you don't get it. Even if the church is empty, he will start. My friend's wedding was the best man. We don't, we don't hear in gist. We had been warned. So we were in church. Before him, we don't read church. We don't stay there. I saw him, old man, 80 years. My people in the Lord is not looking at you. He said, deliberately doesn't look. <laughs> but I've seen churches that <laughs> service is 10 o'clock. Pastor never bath. He never bath. And when that comes, that comes like a superstar at 12.30. He cupboard. The Lord is good. <laughs> that just by the way. Oh, why did they read that? So I said, I said, things we learn in what? Deeper life. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, we learn those things. Learn the word. But it's not, so when we're grown, they've not said telling us as if when we got into, you know, this Pentecostal faith and all of those things, we talk about sense knowledge people and revelation knowledge people. We were the revelation knowledge people. We walk in the revs. The sense knowledge people call them SK people, Skites. <laughs> the mind and things of the flesh. And we laughed at all of them. And I look back and I say, Lord, we are sorry. It was foolishness. Children playing in the marketplace. It was foolishness. Because I realized that all our rev, rev, rev that we are talking about, every single one of us came out of those SK group. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, the first time the Pentecostals preached to me, they didn't have to tell me who Jesus Christ was. The Reverend Father already did. Do you get my point? I already knew who was Virgin Mary. I knew who Joseph was. I knew why Jesus went to the cross. I had seen the communion countless times in my life. The only thing you did was to help me interpret some things. Which is in the Bible. Apollos came, preaching mightily and accurately, the Bible says, the things concerning Jesus Christ. Then Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and said, bros, there's more to it than that too. He says that's what the Bible said. They expanded it to him more accurately. You can't therefore disregard the things that Apollos came with because he was acquainted only, the Bible said, with the baptism of John. What are you talking about? No need to laugh at the Reverend Father. He stayed in the village where your Pentecostal brethren don't go. They don't go there. He stays there. In some of these communities in Anambra State, where these um, terrorist boys captured the whole communities. I found that the Reverend Fathers did not leave. Villagers left. Anambra Imo Axis, you know those areas. Villagers left. One brother told me that the day they came home for you know, Christmas, they came kidnapped all of them. 
the whole family that came to town kidnapped everybody, took them to their shrine. Why? So that they can come and swear that they will not tell the authorities that they are in that village. So he took them, I was telling him the truth that he took their matter to prayer. So one day, they woke up and saw all of them enter vehicles and drive rapidly out of their area. That's how God gave them deliverance. Now, the point I'm making is that one of my guys who's from that area, he said, it actually happened one time, one of somebody I knew, not directly, but working in the same environment, went there. Those the people didn't know, mistakenly with um, escorts. So they killed his escorts. But he managed to escape here and his driver. Now, where I'm going is that, that's why I heard the story. The only person who could save him was the Reverend Father. He got to a church. He, he ran inside. He banged on the gate. Finally managed to pursue the Reverend Father to open the door for him. That one came in. First, first thing, he told him, oh, yeah, everything you have on you, remove. Any ID card from the Zoo Nation, remove it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Receipts. Vehicle lines. Anything that has the name, like, get it out of your body. Finally, the Reverend Father picked a phone. Called somebody. The guy came down with an AK-47. And told him, take this man for me. Pass him through all your posts. He's my friend. He came to see me. That's how that man escaped. Now, what, what I'm telling the story is that, he said the Reverend Fathers could not leave. They said they could not leave. Oh, God. And because I learned something. They said they could not leave their congregation behind. He endured everything. He didn't leave the congregation. He held this mass. Every morning he's there holding his mass. They stayed that they can't leave their congregation. Then after a while, the, ter- the guys were used to them. The thing, those, so for that reason, they also are honorable men. They won't tell police anything. They won't. They don't is hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. My only just to speak mass. I don't. So he locks his door. And no, it's, <laughs> everybody comes. You want to do ma- come? He will say mass for you. When he didn't go away. He just man. Of course, you know what that means. He doesn't have anything. He can you know? He just manages himself. There's no light. He stays there. Those are the people that plant. They plant. You know, one small boy will now go to the city one day. A boy comes from that village to campus, and he says, "Jesus forgives you of your sins. He can heal your body." And I pray, and they give their life to Christ. He now calls the Reverend Father S.K. Man. If God slaps you, your head will be spinning for eternity. You'll be spinning like <laughs> spinning, spinning for eternity. Yeah, you may not know everything that you think you know. You may not agree on every little thing, but somebody sued. That's why Jesus said. Other men labored. You have only entered into their labor. You came to harvest where they planted. Bear these things in mind, people of God. So I'm talking about if you want the land, though, you know that's why I began all of this one. If you want it to cost you, sometimes you go through all of this. It's not for your generation. You plant a seed for the next generation. You have to be ready to take the afflictions that come with it. That's the point we are making. Because following the Lord has a cost. Did you hear what I said? Following the Lord has a cost to obey him as a cost. Paul said, all these things that were gained to me, I have counted as dung. I said it before, please don't ever consider yourself too good for anything. You get my point? You have a PhD, so you are too big to teach in the primary school or in the, on the secondary school, you know. No. Why? Yeah, higher level. No. A colleague of mine told me something a few days ago. It amazed me. 
He said, do you know why the Chinese people are taking over America? He said he, he was there, I think, that last year or the year before. He went for a course in a university. So a Chinese man talked to him, told him things. Look, I told that blessings and curses come in three levels. The spiritual level, then the second level, the soul level, and then that physical level, all right? That for us in Christ Jesus, the spiritual level has been tackled. But we now have to learn the culture, the habits, the mindset that decodes blessings, that downloads blessings. Now, you hear about um, black people. I've said it again and again, and I will not change my mind. You can, because scripture supports what I'm saying, that there is a spiritual problem. Look, there is a spiritual problem. But it creates, that spiritual problem cannot be activated until you work in certain mindsets, certain habits. You get my point? Good. Now, they've wondered again and again as to why the blacks don't do well generally, academically, and in the society in United States. They, they just consistently have dropped to the bottom. And it's because of culture that, has, that came out of a spiritual problem. All right? But let me st- stay on the culture area. Now, I found out, please, you can verify this, as of today, if you find a black doctor in America, three out of four are Nigerians. And there's a cultural reason for that. You find it, and by the way, God used the federal government to do that. Yeah, God used the federal government. So most of them, they are going there. They already have their degrees in medicine before they go there. If you go to maybe like Harvard Business, their MBA class, if you find black people there, I think a full half of them are Nigerians. Now, there's a reason. There's a culture that... You know, especially southern Nigeria, there's this culture that we had over time. In West, in the West, I will push that, that everybody must go to school. So going to school became a habit for us. And the federal government really spent a lot of money keeping that thing going. And they're still spending it till today. The average person in the university does not pay up to 10% of the cost of educating him. It's not up to that. All right? Bishop Oedipo charges the barest minimum, yet his fee is more than 10 times what the federal government is charging. And it's one of the cheapest of the good universities. Yet, you pay by 800000 Naira a year. The cheap universities to study medicine, mission schools charge two, three million naira a year. Federal government collects a hundred thousand naira. Esud collects like two fifty. The cheap mission schools, Benson Daosa is three point five a year. Federal government collects a hundred thousand naira, and you are still cursing them. A hundred thousand naira if you're expensive. Your neck is seventy k. How much is your school fees? It's a forty-year medical student. It's seventy thousand naira. The fair thing, you don't make a dime, you just keep the school going, it's over two million. I told you if you abuse federal government again, the slap the Lord will give you, your head will spin for eternity. You just be spinning. You say, what happened? He go talk nonsense when he was on the earth. <laughs> People eh? the Bible says anger lies in the bosom of fools. That is those who don't understand. They don't that talk. If you understand what is going on, you, there are things you can't say. You go to social media, you just see congregation of idiots. They don't know what's going on. They just be talking. I beg. <laughs> so many things. To say. Do you know the truth? I've not started my message for today. So if I decide to start it, all of you are staying here till twelve o'clock. So just. Uh... <laughs> now this is where I'm going there. So. The blacks, the t- no, I was saying that the blacks in America, you know. So the black people, they've wondered, why have they just generally, the American blacks, been behind? 
They say it's slavery, slavery, slavery. Yes, but it's not slavery as in I was a slave. It's the culture that was created. A culture has been created that has not been changed, which is interesting, okay? But I can't go into detail. But one man gave an analysis. He's an engineer. He was working in a big company, then he left to start his own company. He said, before his company will start, you know what he did? That's the culture I'm talking about. Now, I don't know whether he's a white man, Asian, or black. He didn't say. Okay, but what he did, I suspect he was white, but it could have been black, I don't know. But what he did was that he went to his local school and said, can I teach physics and mathematics before my company will start? Now, he's an engineer, high-level tech person. But I'm starting a company. There's nothing much I'm doing now. I left the other one. So can I come to you? He went to the school, public school. Can I teach physics and mathematics for you people for a while? So they said, okay, fine, come. So now he still runs a, 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 an organization helping people. So he came to the school and began to teach physics and mathematics. He said one thing he found, he, said, he saw deficient students. Now, he said he correlated, madam, listen to this, it's important. He correlated your performance exactly whether you do assignments or not. He said, all the children that do assignments always do well in school. He said, my black boys wouldn't. The white students will do their assignments. The Asians will do their assignments. You get these black boys, they, can't, they, won't, they will never turn an assignment. I had to, you know, I still have the, the thing he wrote. Comment he wrote on somebody else's blog. It was like, Okay, he said, the students are not very good. All right, I'm organizing classes. This guy's an engineer. Had worked in big companies, starting his own company. He said, okay, I'm not working now. Let me just teach physics and mathematics. Then he gathered people to come. He said, the black boys never came. The place would be, and this was a mixed school, no government school. They were white, blacks, Asians. He said, the whites would be there, the Asians would be there. Only two black people came. They were girls. The boys would never come. And he's not charging a dime. We can tell ourselves the truth. We're all black people here. You see where I'm going? I'm talking about you, you win for generations. You know what my friend said? So he said when he went to America last, um, last year, he went for a course. A Chinese man called him a university lecturer, top-level professor. So he said, this guy called him and said, watch something. That a certain time of the day, this is a university, start watching it, you will see all the Chinese teachers will disappear. So he started watching it from that day. I won't tell you the time. So it gets to a particular time, he looks and you won't find any Chinese lecturer in the university walking anywhere. They've all gone. So where they go to? He said, I teach kindergarten maths. A professor of mathematics. He said, I disappear. I go to homes. I teach children four years, five years, mathematics. He said, that's all all of them do. They go from house to house. These are, see, these are PhD holders. Once the particular time of the day, they've disappeared. They're in primary schools, secondary schools, teaching the young Chinese people. That's not how they do dy dx. What is quadratic equation? They are doing basic algebra for five-year-olds. So that's why when they come out, the American team, international mathematics competition, all Chinese. That's where it came from. He told my colleagues, look out, just look out. Why? For nothing. That's the point I'm making. Not a dime. Nobody, I mean, how much do you want to pay a professor of mathematics in university to come and teach primary five? But he does it every day. Every day. That's why they're taking over the nation. Those who are not going anywhere on the streets carrying placards. Those who are not going anywhere, they're complaining, government, 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 government. I tell the God, if you want it, I'll give you. But you know what? I don't see enough people showing that they want it. 
People will start companies. It's starting. There's nobody gives them a visa. They shut down the company. Sack her. One brother told me something. One of our brothers. We met a guy, a doctor, somewhere in Delta State. Is it Delta or Lagos? Not very sure, but this is the point. He has 20 members of staff, including doctors, nurses, you understand, attendants, you know, different people, running a clinic. Did this guy shut the place down? So, did my friend asked him that. So, what are you now going to do with your staff? He said, I'm not their God. His statement is that I'm not their God. Let me tell you something. There are statements you make. God will say, you see that God thing you said, you will never be to anybody on this earth. Now, of course, you know, you know my God, that this is the last time you will employ anybody. Where you are going, I won't even give you a housekeeper to employ. You don't know how God behaves. That statement you made, God said, that is it. That's your destiny. I've closed it. Pray for your children. Maybe I'll be able to use them. But as for you, you are dying in this wilderness. I'm talking about if you really want it. This young man said, I'm not their God. You're just fire 20-something people for nothing. More than the fact that you want good roads. And for information, there's no way you are going to North America where they don't shoot people more than in Nigeria. There's none. Mexico is the shooting capital of the world. Mexico, they just shoot. For, that is, where I'm going is that, don't come and tell me that some place is safer. There's nowhere. There's nowhere. One white man lives in Nigeria. That was years ago. I had to stay long ago. The Nigerian guy said ah, that when Niger Delta was still very hot those days. It's still hot, but it's cooler than that time. He asked the guy, he said, will you go back her brother? I think he's from America or somewhere in Europe. He said, no. He said, why not? He said, it's summer around the year here, man. Summer around the year. There's all this sun. He said, what about the crime? <laughs> he laughed. He said, hey, the crime here is economic. But that's not a crime. He said, they kidnap you. You give them money. They let you go. This was a white man said. He said, my country, if anybody kidnaps you, doesn't need your money. It takes pleasure in cutting you to bits. So they will never find you because you can't pay him. So to him, the Nigerian kidnapper is a reasonable kidnapper. He's in for the business. So I, I can't say he has money ready that if they come and kidnap him, you ask them how much. They tell him, he pays them. I tell him, come on, leave me my bag. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> he, said, he refused to leave. I think Potako said, he said, he's not going anywhere. He's ready for a kidnapper. He has his money ready for them. So when you are making decisions, just don't think you are safe anywhere in the world. There's nowhere that is safe. There's nowhere. But my emphasis is that if you want, I say it again, thus says the Lord, if you want this country, I will give you. But wanting it is what I'm explaining. There's a price to pay. The Chinese people, you saw what they are doing. Wanting it will cost you. Wanting it actually would mean sometimes, don't worry. Is it a big house that would never have? Not a problem. But at least I will have a nation. I will have an industry, an establishment, a company, a a region where there is freedom, where my children can be all that God created them to be, where the purpose of God will prosper, that I'm not living just for myself. I want to claim Hebron. I want to change the name from Kiriath Alba and make it Hebron and let the descendants of Caleb live there. That's what it means to want it. That's what it means to want it. That means that if I lose money, so it's money. Like I told our sister at that time. I told her, I said, my sister, don't worry about it. It's money. That's money. If you lose it, it's a small thing. Well, can you lose it? Of course. Why not? Ah, 
Money is very losable. Very, lo- <laughs> you know, something, I won't tell you now. Something happened a few days ago. I've always known it could happen. But when it happened, <laughs> I just for myself, now, wow. So this is how easy it is to lose money. I've already thought about it like that. But when it happened, I just laughed. I said, that's so life view. Yeah, carry money, guru, guru, guru. If they change the currency, you see what people almost die. I'm sure people died of heart attack that day. They just say currency. <laughs> Boom, they die. They say, okay, we didn't change it again. What's already dead? <laughs> it's already dead. <laughs> so don't worry. I told my sister, I said, don't worry, it's money. And for your information, in case you don't know, the money was never your own anyway. What did you do to produce it? Some people go to work. All they do at work is say, okay, is that so? They sign a document. Is that so? They sign a document. Okay, okay, tell him like this. At the end of the day, they give him three million dollars salary. Where the guys at my junction, new artisan, Bishop will come with his heel, uh, oh no, that your car, that big car. We put like seven of them behind. Seven men. First, eat like three wraps of papa each. Then why Bishop is not looking, they smoke something <laughs> to give them energy. Then they will dig. <laughs> They will dig. Ah, have you ever touched their hands? The guy who keep. May that hand not slap you in Jesus' name. <laughs> when you touch their hand, say, My God. You look at the guy in the face, look at his hand. You will not touch your own hand. Your butter hand. These guys will dig morning till evening. Bishop, how much do you give them? Now, let me just do a calculation for you. 4,000 naira if you work six days a week. Is how much? Okay, yeah. So, in a month, these guys, for digging money till night, they hardly get 100,000 naira. Now, one guy just sits down there, sign paper, sign paper, sign paper, sign paper. At the end of one month, they pay him what this guy would dig for for like two years. I think life is fair. I think you are the one that earned that money. It's not you. It's not, you're not the one that earned the money. Those who are digging are the ones earning the money for you. Because the bishop will just sit inside his car. Hey, Hakim, don't put that thing there. Okay, okay, engineer. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Then for every 4,000 that guy gets, bishop puts 10,000 in his pocket. And he thinks life is fair. <laughs> now, I don't mean bishop is any 10,000. I mean for, there are seven of them. So 70K. You now finish digging. You now collect for 4,000. Bishop will collect 70K. We now spit picking tea tomorrow. Is it this country? Because if I wound. <laughs> if I wound you. <laughs> the Lord is good. So I told my sister, I said, please invest the money. Don't worry about it. Invest the money. If you lose this, what's the big deal? God will bring another one. God said, there's much more. I can give you much more. I can give you much more. You know, one of the reasons why I don't believe in, you know, hustling, hustling, hustling for money, eh? Is that I have seen money. I've seen people spend money. And I'm always afraid that, man, if you fish hustling like this for maybe five years, and God now says somebody should tap you and give you five times, at one instance, okay, pastor, take. Say, God, say, all oh, this, you're hustling for five years. I want to disgrace you. So, <laughs> just, I said, I'll be feeling bad. I look at how I wasted five years of my life. Instead of preaching the gospel, I find money. I said, Lord, I know they do. I told the Lord long ago, in fact, I told you before, I told the Lord, when I saw that thing those days, I said, Lord, please, eh, if you don't want to give me money, there's no problem. Just don't worry about it. The only thing is that, please, don't give me a wife because I have to endure my hunger all by myself. I mean, you did, did you give Paul a wife? No. So that polar ministry is okay for me. 
because I saw that those of us who dug the most earn nothing compared to people who just go around make one or two phone calls. So I realized that money was not directed to struggles. It wasn't directed towards those who work the most. And it's in the scriptures like that. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not for the strong. Bread is not for the mighty. Nor is favor for men of understanding. He said, God is judge. He brings down one and lifts up another. I've read that scripture now. That's from Psalms. I realized it. So I told the Lord, please, if you want to bless me, fine. If you don't want to, I won't even worry you about it. And I told him as much. I don't want to worry you about it. The only thing that, please, let me do it all by myself. That's what I said to him. What am I going to say? If you want this nation, you have to be ready to pay the price. Sometimes you will start businesses. In fact, <laughs> when I tell my wife, I said, where I work the most in this life is where generally I get the least from. I can't tell you more than that. Where I put energy, when I say, did you work? I work too. Say, so go and total the money you got from this where you did work, work, like say you won't die. So. And where I get most of the money I spent from, I do like Bishop too. I picked it. So and for, I, I'm not angry. What God says is that I've given you the reason to walk without complaining. Now you have seen that if I want to give you food, I will give you food. If I want to give you work, I will give you work. Don't tie the two. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. So put your energy into where you're supposed to put your energy. Because many of you that are listening to me, you are going to start businesses that you will make very little money from. But God said that's not the idea. It's not about you making money. It's about you keeping it. Just count your profit. You have to understand. The way you count your profit matters. Count your profit the number of staff you have, how well you pay them, how well their children are doing, how well. That's what I want you to count. So maintain that business longer. And every year, I want your staff number to grow. So you teach that is at the end of the day, when they do the accounts, and that's one thing about some of these public companies that when they shift, when they say they are doing restructuring, most of the restructuring is very ungodly. What they do is they say, how do we get more money out of the staff and the market into the pocket of shareholders? That's what they call restructuring. So they sack people, make more people, make less people do much more work, stress them as much as possible so that the shareholders can earn something and the share price can, so that some guys who are sitting down on computers trading the stock can be making money. It's an ungodly system. It's why David Paulson hates the stock market. Now, I'm not saying I agree with him, because if something can be good, you misuse it. David Paulson hates the whole idea. He hates some other things, too. So, that's not, he hates advertising, he hates, look. David Paulson says, advertising is of the devil. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't agree with him. So, I'm going to be quoting Pastor Banky. I didn't say Pastor Banky. I said David Paulson said I don't agree with him 100%. I know a lot of advertisers of the devil. All right? There are some promos people do. I know that God will send all of them to hellfire for the promo. When you say, drink Gouda and win Motoka, yeah, there's no way you can get to heaven like that. <laughs> How can you get to heaven like that? That you should drink Gouda or Stout. Nonsense. How can you be enticing people to come and be drinking more? Are you mad? <laughs> say, What's wrong? Okay. Why don't you go and advertise? Drink for that door and win. <laughs> and, win. <laughs> and win the house. <laughs> you want to sell market? Rubbish. You want to sell me a gogoro? You have to... <laughs> you have said that you drink a gogoro and win something. But let me not leave my message talking about some of those things. Okay? Now, so, for some people, God will just say, look, listen. Okay, this man, the people who started, um, but the name just escaped me now, the guy's name and then the company. Flutterwave, yes, Flutterwave. He gave a talk some, last year, I think, at a platform or one of those programs. He's, it, it, yeah. Okay. 
This one I'm talking about I think it was last year or the year before I heard it. There was something he said. I knew two of them. The third one I'd never heard before. He said there are different ways to do business. can't remember the exact words, but let me give you my own words now. There's a business in which the, the attitude of the businessman is, I gain, you lose. Now, we always knew that was bad, satanic, worldly, evil. Okay? Then the left, second level of business, which is better than that, which is what I used to preach that Christians should do, is that I gain, no, left side, you gain, I gain. Which means that this, this product is 10,000 naira in Lagos. I'm sending it to you in Enugu for 11,000. Why should it be 11,000 naira? Because if you have to go to Lagos by yourself to buy it, your transportation costs, your inconvenience and everything, it's going to bring everything down to like 30,000 naira for you. So I brought it down to you in bulk. Then to pay for my time, my risk and everything, I put 1,000 naira. When I do it for 100 people, I actually have to remove everything. I can actually pocket 200 naira each. And that's, for me now, 2,000 naira. All right? So you've gained... 20-something thousand naira, and I've gained 2,000 naira. Okay? Which is good business, all right? So, many people I'm helping, they are all gaining. They don't have to go to Lagos, stress themselves, bear all the risk, and then just to buy one thing. I bring it in box. That's what trading is actually about, okay? Remember that met me once. He said that, is it right? He gets dogs of people, puppies, that they are this, oh, this exotic breed. So, he said, he said that he buys it for 50,000 naira, but he sells it for 60,000 naira. That is it right? I looked at it. What is wrong with it? He says, a vet. I said, the puppy dies on the way. Who will lose money? You say, I'm the one. I said, so why, who will pay for that? Of course, they have to bear the risk now. That's why they give you 10000 extra. Because one day, puppy is going to die. Puppies like, puppies like to die once in a while. You know that. <laughs> so that's what business is. You gain, I gain. Then this guy now introduced a third level of business, which I had never thought about before. Even though it made spiritual sense. Perfect. He said, there is a, he said business can be redemptive. Never heard that before until he said it. What is redemptive? I sacrifice, you gain. That's another level. I sacrifice, then you gain. Now, for your information, many of you don't know. That is why mission schools exist. Some of you can be insulting mission schools. The reason why they exist is a sacrifice on the part of the missions. One day I had a quarrel with somebody. Disagreement, anybody like that. I was very angry with him that day. He said, Bishop Oedipo is cleaning out. I said, what did you say? He tried to describe the ecosystem in a school that has 5,000 students. I said, what did you say? He says, cleaning out. What? Eh? Basically, the 5,000 people, a lot of the money they bring, I don't know how many are in the school, they are his market. They provide them water, electricity, food. Oh, man, see business. You know, I felt like, I, I don't know what I get my point. My, I was, ah, I said, why are people this ignorant? He's cleaning out. If he was cleaning out, why are his men charging twice what he's charging? I said, you have to understand that some men do things, the only thing they gain, the only thing they want to talk about gain is pride. A name. For your information, when people like Christopher Colladier and Co. talk to Aliko Dangote and turn him without his planning it to become the world's richest black man and Africa's richest man, it was one thing they sold to him. They say you have made money. You have become very rich. You don't have a name. They told him, say, you are just a trader. Yeah, he said it. They told the boy, you are just a trader. Yeah, you have billions and billions, but you're a trader. You don't have a name. 
So he asked them, what do you mean I should have a name? He said, build something. What have you built? That was why he went into cement business. Because the old man told him, you've gotten to a point in life where you don't need money anymore. You need a name. In pursuing a name, he became the world's richest black man. So the things they do now, how much money can a man eat? That's why people say, what are they looking for? They are not looking for anything. Poverty is your problem. That's why you're talking like that. I don't like poverty. I don't mean lack of money. Lack of sense. You don't know life. That is why some of them, like the other day, the refinery, they need licenses for something. The company that owns most of the licenses from, is in Europe. So they look and say, why do we have to be paying them license money? Buy the company. They put down $300 million, pocketed the company. You say, what are they looking for? They're not looking for anything. They say, mm-hmm, we don't have to be talking to you every year. You'll be changing the price of license. So who owns the licenses in this particular company? Ask them how much. Oh, may God lift you up. <laughs> They said how, because you know the way it is. When you hold patents and all of that, people are using your designs and all. They have to pay license. You guys, no, no, we're not getting time for license. You say, what do you do? Buy them up. The company is in Netherlands. $300 million or so. Three something. Put the money on the table. Collected the company. They are not removing the company from there. They just don't want to be paying license. So we are paying the license eternally. <laughs> so they, they now own. So the Angote refineries now own that company in the Netherlands. I don't, know the, I don't know the company they used to buy, but that's the point. To be able to use stuff in Nigeria. So it gets to a point in life. People are not, they're not trying to... I told you that... Uh, what, no, I, we mentioned it on Tuesday or last Saturday again. When they were doing GSM licenses in Nigeria, what's the name of this our guy? Hakim Bula Osagi. At $200 million of bidding, he, he, he pulled out. What's the reason? He said, the way Nigeria is, if you pay more than that, you will never make money. Said so no company pay more than two hundred million dollars for a GSM license will make money. They asked Pascal Dozier, who they pulled ahead. They kept on going with MTN. He said it's not about making money. It's about Nigeria too should develop. Years later, Akim Bilosagi looked. He said that was the worst business decision of my life. He said because now we know those men paid two seventy five million dollars. He said now we know the real value was eight hundred million dollars. So that flutter wave guy said, there's business that's redemptive. I sacrifice. You gain. There are, there are employers that have... Look, Henry Ford said something. He had this principle that a man should not be a beggar. He should be able to work. He said, but not everybody has all these skills you're talking about. That not everybody can start a business and be an entrepreneur. He said, those who can, that God has given them an assignment... To open the businesses so that every man can work. So Henry Ford said, I don't care what you are. I will find you a job. You don't have education? Don't worry. I have a job for people without education. Okay, you have a PhD in engineering? No problem. I have a job for people with PhDs in engineering who can't start a company. Come, come and be designing machines for me. I give you an idea. I'll bring it to life. But me, I didn't pass in primary school. There's no problem. Can you hold a hammer? Yes, come. Your job, come to work in the morning. Hammer this three times. Move it ahead. For that, I will give you enough money to pay for your own house, educate your children, and buy one of the cars you are manufacturing. That is, doing things in life, it's about, what can I sack? That is, you know, get to a point. It's not like, hey, what am I getting? You know, people who don't know, they say, what are they looking for? They are not looking for anything. They are looking to help you. Because, you know, because you're on this, what, can, what are they looking for? Thing? Obviously, you don't know what's going on. You need a job. So people that you say, what are they looking for? They are creating jobs for you. Remember those when they say that, hey, what is it? 
Some people actually open their mouth and insult Bishop Oedipo. God will insult you back. And when God insults you, you know God's insult is not at the vex. It's prophetic. So you're a stupid man. You'll just be stupid all your life. As you're going on the road, you will climb out from second floor. Why? The Lord said I'm stupid. Then when you fall down and break a leg, but you were still in second floor and I don't know. I thought the ground was closed. Why? The prophetic word went forth. I'm warning you. Don't insult men that God has blessed. They will insult Bishop Oedipo. What are they looking for? All these men. Hey, clinical, clinical. What is he doing with the university? You know, my skin starts crawling and my blood almost starts boiling. Why? I said this. He said he started a school. The members of the church cannot even pay. I'm like, excuse me. Let me explain something to you. If only the fact that he reduced competition from UN, you should be grateful. Because the people that can pay what money you are complaining about, they are the ones that know the professors in UNN. They are the ones that walk into UN and donate five million naira for a faculty. And the, fa- the VC will give their children admission with three credits. Some of you are laughing. I hope you know it's legal. He looks at you for our new hall, right? He says, yes. How many children do you have? That's all. Is that <laughs> how many children? You, you can be angry. He will do it openly. Yes, he can't do nothing as long as he doesn't eat the money. Ah. I know one of you guys, I won't mention their names, but you can guess. They used to do what they call friends of the college. You want your child to study medicine, it's not after dinner where it is. So that means no problem. Just donate the Siena to the dean's office. He said, Ah, this guy is a friend of the faculty. The guy will say, My son wants to be it. Ah, no problem now. We'll fail him in third year. It doesn't matter. But right now, come in. <laughs> yeah, because once you enter, you have to read. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to read. Oh. We know the thing I'm play. You have to read. But to enter, ah, you go enter. Oh. Your father gave us official car. In fact, do you want to stay alone in the hall? It doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll give you a room all by yourself. And they tell your father, when your sister grows up too, there's another hall we want to build. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. But now they don't do that much anymore because there are so many private schools who have given them the opportunity to spend their money without going through all of this process. So I tell people, I say, you should be happy that they've removed those who out of your way. They've reduced the competition in UNN, in Unilag, you know, in UI, all those big universities. Competition is down because Babcock is next door. Covenant University is there. So all those big men that have been competing for space, they've removed them. It's enough space to go around for those who just want to pay 100,000 naira a year. So if only for that, why are you insulting the man? Why? Why don't you say, God, make me another Oyedipo one day? Let me be able to do a business that's redemptive. That is, yes, maybe I'm mining my gold somewhere, and I just come down home. I start a big business. As long as they can run into well, I don't need a dime from them. Any money they turn, away, I will turn back as profit, we use it for scholarships, expand the business, subsidizing housing for the staff, and all of that. It's called being redemptive. How did I learn that expression? That business can be redemptive. He said, I sacrifice. You gain. What am I going to say? That's what it means to want something. The nation needs people who will sacrifice for it. Who will say yes. Like that man I said is an engineer. Worked in big tech. Starting his own company. He said, well, he had a few months before the company will kick off. Maybe like six to eight months. So why stay at home? He went to a secondary school, a high school. I said, let me teach mathematics and physics. And he has students whose lives he changed. In fact, by the time he left, he couldn't just leave. He had to set up a small like, organization to help people. So engineers now come there to help children. You want this country? Thus says the Lord. I will give it to you. Have you heard something today? 
Because I've talked plenty. I'm wondering whether I said everything. Now, let me start my message for today. I will introduce. I told you. You know, I want you. I want you. I want, don't complain. Don't complain. Don't complain. Even though we're not going to do much of it. I just like to. When it happens like this, I like to kick off. Let's just read Hebrews chapter 11 again. Hebrews chapter 11 again from verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And he says, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. That is because of his faith. Because of the actions he took when the Lord spoke a word to him. That's the meaning of faith in this context. Even though he is dead, he still speaks. The reason why I'm reading this is because of Enoch. I just wanted to read down to his point. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before he's been taken up, he was pleasing to God. And we know one thing for sure, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What I wanted to teach us today Along this, you know, we've been talking about the faith fundamentals for Christian living, the fundamentals of faith. I had a number of things in mind, like how to increase your faith. Last time we explained the fact that faith is actually breathed into us by God. And that's why you cannot, you read through the scriptures, everybody that the Bible talks about faith, especially in that Hebrews chapter 11, heard something. They heard something. You need to hear, because it's through hearing that faith enters into you. That's why I said faith comes by hearing. What that means is that when faith is going to come, your heart must be open, your ears must be open, and God puts a word in, and that word comes with it, the spirit of faith. And that spirit of faith enables you, okay, to act on that word. Now, please bear this in mind. When God speaks, he doesn't just give commandments, he gives enablement. Every instruction from above comes with enablement. That is what he says to that woman, my best, you know, illustration from the scriptures. When he says to that woman, go and sin no more. It wasn't counsel. Let me advise you, sin is not good for you. No. He said, go and sin no more. He empowered her against the pressures in the society at that point that was compelling her to commit adultery. Because you must understand, sin is the spirit also. People don't just commit sin because they want to. They commit sin because they are empowered to do it. Because we hear concerning Judas, that Satan entered into him. He could not have betrayed Jesus, except that he was supernaturally enabled by that entrance of Satan. So Satan, when people tell you that Satan pushed me, they are not lying. But like I said last time, what you do is make sure that you prepare yourself to receive the spirit of faith. Which is what God was doing with Abraham, in training Abraham. He called Abraham out and said, your environment will not allow that spirit to enter into you. Come out of your father's house. But Abraham made a mistake. He came out with Lot. God said, okay, we're going to deal with that later. Along the line, he dealt with that. That the presence of Lot in your life will not allow that fullness of faith. So that came. Along the line also, he picked up um, Hagar and then had Ishmael. God said, no, that one also has to go. At the point in time, Ishmael left. 
Why? Because God was building the faith of Abraham to the point where Abraham would be able to offer up Isaac, which was what his life was all about. That is the sacrifice of Isaac willingly. Even for that, God had to breathe the ability into him, but it took a long time. So what we do in faith is to open our hearts so that faith can come when the word comes. Many people can hear words, but Isaiah said, hear, but they don't understand. In hearing, they hear, but they don't understand. In seeing, they see, but they don't perceive. What does that tell you? They hear, but faith does not enter because their heart has not been prepared. And I explained last time that you see, one way by which you prepare your heart is to, and I wanted to develop that further today, all right, but I just want to introduce it and I'll close, all right, is to keep what the Bible calls having, oh, this will sound contradictory, but I will explain it. Jesus said, have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God constantly. That is, it's a lifestyle you have that helps you continually purge your heart of all obstructions to the entrance of faith. It's a particular lifestyle. And that is what he meant by faith coming by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing is an attitude. You know, when we were young those days, we thought that hearing and hearing meant you hear, and then you hear, and you hear, and you hear, and you keep on hearing until faith enters. But it's not so. Hearing and hearing is a kind of hearing. It is not different in quantity. It's actually different in quality. That is, what I'm telling you is that it's not the number of hours you heard. For example, you don't hear that Abraham kept on listening to a message. He did not have an iPhone 14. I hope you're getting my point. He didn't have a portable device. He didn't have something to download and stream messages from the clouds. The word of the Lord will come to him once in a few years. But he kept on running with that word. And he's the father of faith. Even though I know, I'm quite aware of the fact that to whom much is given? So our generation, God has a higher standard for us because of the technology he has made available, which is a fulfillment of what Joel said also. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's not just the laying of hands, that's part of it, that's one half. The other half is that the word of God will be poured on the people massively because the words that I speak, they are what? Their spirit and their life. That is, when God was going to fulfill that word, one thing he did was to make the word available. So my little device here is my phone, is my tab. And both Bibles here are synced. Every note I have here is on this tab. And the number of translations here, I can't count. Thank, thank God for the life of David Green. I hope you're getting my point. All right? So God has made this available. So he's pouring out his spirit on us. So we will drink of that spirit by hearing the word of God constantly. That is good. We do the quantity side. But I'm trying to emphasize the quality side. There's a kind of hearing that is called hearing and hearing. It's different from people who hear the word, it doesn't enter their hearts. It's different from those who hear the word. In the last day, the, Father, the, 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 the Lord says to them, I never knew you. Hearing and hearing is a quality of hearing in which my whole life is set up to hear, obey, and fulfill the word of God. Did you get my point? That is, I start out, I'm not coming to, now this is very crucial. I am not coming to church to come and get anything. I'm not coming to hear the word to come and get material things. I'm coming to hear the word so that my whole life will be built on it and I will be found pleasing in his sight. I'm surprised that we will develop it again further next time, even though it's not, it's not, there are no new concepts to us here. I'm the kind of person that listen to this and I close with this. You know the Bible says, he that comes to God must believe what? And next line that is a reward that good. What is my reward? What is my reward? Hearing and hearing. The kind of person that does what the Bible calls hearing and hearing 
is the type of person that understands God's reward system. What is God's reward system? Now, this is what we think. What is the reward? My name is Joseph. I obey God in the house of my father, in the house of Potiphar, and in prison. Now, please don't say anything yet. Don't say amen. Then God rewards me with the throne in Egypt. That's one attitude we think our reward is. I give, and then God gives me Isaac, my son. And then I give, that's because I give to Melchizedek. When you are a tighter, you are a receiver of Isaac. I give money, then God gives me more money back. That is what we call reward, many of us. Unfortunately, it is absolutely not so. If you want to even look at Joseph's life as a reward, all he did was opportunity to serve God more. That's all. You serve little, then be in charge of ten cities. Occupy with this until I come. Jesus gave them, the master gave them minas, right? The one came and said, your master, your mina master has made ten more. What did he say? Well done, good and faithful. What do you do? Be in charge. He didn't give him anything at the beginning or at the end. At the beginning, what did he say? Your mina, it's your money, not my own. Has made them more. Whose cities are they now? It's still the master's own. First it was your mina, now it's your cities. You were faithful in using mammon, money. Now be in charge of cities. So even if you want to look at a reward like that, that's what it is. It's not I've gotten money because I gave a seed. I will preach that thing as long as God allows me. It is a wrong doctrine. To say, give so you can get. Your spirit is not right. If you are following that. But what's the real reward? Let me drop this, like I said, and I close with it. The real reward that God gives people is himself. Sounds funny, but that's all. He that comes to God must believe that he is and is the one that will reveal himself to those who really serve him, who seek him. And you see your scriptures. Go and check it. Have you ever asked yourself? Now, who is the greatest of faith that ever walked the surface of this earth? There's no catch. You can easily answer. Who was that? The Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Why did he not believe God for some of the things we are believing God for? New Testament. Who will you rank highest as an individual? After That's New Testament. After Jesus. Now, you can disagree on this, but we generally think like this. Who will you rank higher? Paul. Paul. The person will probably most of all rank highest. But why could he not use his faith to grab some of these things? Why did, not, did he not use that faith to grab comfort for himself or deliverance? Why? Let's go back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said something clearly, which is so open and true. I can turn stones to bread. True or false? Yeah, it was clear. Why? If he couldn't, it wouldn't have been a temptation. If I come to you now, Turn your chair to gold. If you resist me, don't expect God to reward you. You could not have turned it to gold. It was innocent at the beginning. It's innocent at the end. It's plastic. But if you could do it, it's a different matter. He could turn stones to bread, but he did not. He was going to the cross. He said it clearly. Before that, he said, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. Indeed, you hear me always. At the tomb of Lazarus. Then later on he said, don't you think, told Peter, I could have asked the father for 12 legions of angels. What does that tell you? He could have. 
So Jesus could have had anything he wanted at any time. It is clear from scriptures. Why didn't he do some of the things that we are doing? I'll tell you. Because the more you know, the more you realize the futility in the things that many people are pursuing. Did you catch that? If I gave you the power to call down 12 legions of angels, you know, you will not be afraid of anything. Neither will you be using your faith to buy bad wire. You use your, there are many things you just won't bother with. They say, oh God, let's believe God for a, a, a bulletproof vehicle. You're like, where are we going? Where? The place is dangerous. So. No, if they harass you too much, you say, okay, okay, okay. Because of their faith, their unbelief. But you personally, there are certain things that just won't bother you. Why? You know too much. They say, lay up treasure. No, we need to invest so that we can have money for when we are going to retire. And you're like, why? Because when you retire now, you can't work again. Say, but will God die that time? No, in your mind, like, it's not an issue now. What if we need money? We'll ask God now. He will send it now. Do you follow my point? You become so calm, yet you don't have around you, physically speaking. Why? Because you have come to know. So the greatest thing that God gives people, really, is real spiritual knowledge of himself. That's why we declare every day, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual what? Wisdom and understanding. The real reward. I'm trying to stop. Like I said, I don't want to talk for too long. The real reward that God gives is the knowledge of himself. So Moses came and said, Lord, show me what? Your glory. Do you get my point? Moses said what? Show me your glory. That's all he wanted. And that will satisfy me. Paul said, what am I pursuing? That I may know him. Those who are telling you to sow seed to get more money, tell them that, oh God, you have left that level. I will sow a seed if it will give me more spiritual understanding. I will sow a seed if it will give me the face of God that I will be able to see him clearly. As to get more money, it's not necessary, sir. Yeah, that's what, that's what you say. Let me read this and I close with it. Psalm 17, I promise you, with that one, we'll close. Like I said, I just want to introduce, you know, I do that once in a while. So that's just to know what I was supposed to teach today. Paradventure, the Lord will grant that we should teach it next time. This is the real reward. Verse 15 is where I'm going, but let me start from 13. Arise, O Lord, confront him. Bring him low. Deliver my soul from the wicked with your sword. That is, confront the wicked. From men with your hand, O Lord. From men of the world whose portion, listen to this whose portion is in this life. Many of us are using our faith for things that are in this life. And whose belly you fill with your treasure. Even the wicked, God gives them stuff. They are satisfied with children and leave their abundance to their babes. Now, they don't mean their girlfriends here, please. <laughs> they are, <laughs> no one hears. Babes, <laughs> you know why you read things in different generations? It's a, you left their abundance to their concubines. That's not what David was saying. <laughs> Their babies are their children. Do you get my point? And leave their abundance to their children. Now, but me, it is not this treasure, earthly treasure, I am looking for. It is not the portion of this world that I'm looking for. Verse 15. As for me, this is what I want. I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Let me read that from the New Living Translation or NIV. Look at what it says. Let me read the NIV. He said in that verse, um, which verse? 15. He said, 
As for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. You want to know the real reward of the Christian? It is to see the likeness of God in its clarity. Do you get my point? You know, when you see it, you won't want anything else. Let's bow down our heads. Let me stop there. That's what I wanted to teach today. I just wanted to quickly touch it briefly. Let's give it all thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Oh, God. Thank you for teaching me the truth. If you were blessed by this word today, give the Lord thanks for it. Say, Lord, thank you. It's your spirit. It's not the man of God I was listening to. It's your spirit I was listening to. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, thank you for teaching me right. Thank you, Lord, for leading me right. Thank you, Lord, for directing my steps. Again, please, eh? can we do something? Now, this is interesting, but everybody, get up, take your chair, kneel, kneel down. Kneel down if you don't want to, if you don't want to, but I just take your chair, it's easy to lean on your chair. We're going to pray for two, three minutes or five, a few minutes. But I want you to kneel down. I bow my knees, Paul said. I want everybody to kneel down. Wherever you are, if you are listening to this from anywhere, kneel down. Unless, if you are driving, park your car and say, Lord, give me this country. I'm asking you. It's a petition. Please, no, don't speak one tongue. Don't groan in the spirit. You can do that later when the spirit comes upon you like that. But now, personally, say, Lord, give me this nation. Now, for nation, you can start with Nigeria or Ghana, whatever country you are in, United States. But again, there is a nation, an industry, an establishment. That business you are starting, now you are starting it for the right reason, is redemptive. Say to him, Lord, give me this nation. You know, the Spirit says expressly, the Holy Spirit says, if you want this nation, I will give it to you. Now, you've understood now what it means to have something from God. I wanted to ask him, say, Lord, give it to me. Lord, I bow my knees now, and I say to you, Lord, give me this nation. Give me this nation. Give me, because he said, if you want it, I will give you. He said, this also, I will let the children of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock. Say, Lord, increase me like a flock. Increase my rich like a flock. Increase me on every side. Like Jabez, I say, oh, that you will bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. Free me from pain. Arise, O Lord, and scatter every, every giant, every Philistine, every Amorite that wants to stand against this inheritance. You know what that means now? It's unbelief. That's number one giant. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now listen, when you are praying, you know, God will, t- God will give you an opportunity to run away. He will give you a door to stay also. But the one you have asked him for, you have to hold it. Please, may he not shut your destiny and say this one will never attain its destiny. And start waiting for your children to enter into the promised land. Say to the Lord, I will enter. Let my children meet me in there. Let them come in there. Let me, I want to conquer Kiryas Arba and rename it Hebron. Oh, for me, industry is not about I want to make money. It's about this land I will take to give rest to my descendants. This land I will take that those who are in need will have a place to come to for succor. Lord, I pour my heart out to them. I say, Lord, give me this promised land. I want it. Give me this promised land, Lord. Because indeed, I want it. Now, give the Lord thanks because he has heard you. Give him thanks because he has heard you. 
Give him thanks because he has heard. Just give thanks. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We made our request of you in the name of Jesus Christ.